This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Trojan fans. It's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> We're live. Let me try that again. Hello! Fans. That's the first time we've done a simulcast live where I just didn't have it. Uh, as you can tell, I'm Ryan Abraham, and if you're watching, I'm next to uh, <laughs> Connor Morissette, uh, the triple-double over there. And uh, yeah, we're going to talk about some USC football. I, I can kind of get into what my situation is right now. I just got back from the desert a few days out there, and I'm a little, I don't say under the weather, but just a little uh, frazzled, I guess you could say. So my apologies, but if you're watching us live on YouTube, thank you very much. And if you're listening uh, across the podcasting platform, thanks for doing that as well. Uh, hey, sorry about that, Connor. I th- so that's the one risk because it's not always easy to just come belt out "Hello, Trojan fans." Sometimes I have like sips of soda, and I'm like my whatever. But that's the first time like it's just been live or like didn't get it. <laughs> nope, just missed. That is a okay. That made me <laughs> laugh. You've told a couple of funny jokes before we started recording too, so. Just par for the course today. That was hilarious, though. I did not expect to laugh <laughs> 0.1 seconds into this thing, so that was amazing. Really messed it up, yeah. Well, anyway, thank you for listening, uh, watching. If you have any questions for the show, uh, things are obviously ramping up with USC football. Uh, the season starting, so you can email us, email us some questions, podcast at uscfootball.com. You could also call or text us at 424-254-9141. And if you have the Apple uh, podcasting app, we would love a follow over there for the Peristyle Podcast. Uh, you can do that or and you know, leave us a five-star rating and review. That's awesome. Uh, you can follow us there and all that. Uh, I don't think we have any new reviews. We had a couple uh, earlier on Sunday. So uh, get in there. Leave us a review. Uh, it's great. I think we have over 1,100 uh, ratings already from uh, the podcast. Well, not already. We've been doing this for a long time. But um, it's pretty cool. So get in there. We, we appreciate you guys doing that. And there's a bunch of people in the chat. Um, probably making fun of me. This is good. Uh, but yeah, hello everybody. And, uh, hello to you, Connor. You, what did you think? So Connor, if you guys don't know, Connor started covering USC back in January, uh, for SI. I ended up hiring him a little over a month ago. What month, little, and, uh, I know you're very excited to cover your very first USC game. So how was it for you? How was that first game? Well, uh, of course, my college roommate got married, so I was in the great state of Rhode Island on Saturday and didn't get a chance to watch the game back until Sunday and watch it back a couple times. So uh, foul ball on that one. Didn't get a chance to make the debut in the Coliseum yet because I, or well, I guess it wouldn't have been in the Coliseum anyway, but I didn't cover the bowl game last year either. I watched that from home so because that was uh, had been when I started. So excited for this Nevada game because I'll finally get a chance to be there and I don't plan on missing any more 
as far as time goes on. Who knows? Maybe something will pop up. But uh, that was rare that, of course, I had a wedding that first game. Yeah, uh, that was that was a little joke there. Um, so you, you had that that screw up. I had my screw up at the beginning of this one, um, <laughs> which was which was good. And just like I've alluded to at the top, so just I had to, I was out in the desert taking care of some crap for the last few days. It's just it was a lot of work, manual labor and stuff. And I just got back like about an hour or so ago. So and uh, apparently it's taken its toll. So we're gonna go to practice uh, right after this, or at least Connor is. I might just be like sit this one out and uh, do some stuff at home. But uh, we do appreciate everyone coming in and listening or watching uh, to our Peristyle podcast feed. We have a lot of podcasts going up uh, every week um, with the Helium Boys ones going up. You know, I did my one with Coach uh, Harvey Hyde. Connor and I are doing ours. We had our Tunnel Vision show on Sunday night, so a podcast went up for that. Chris and Gerard will do their Composite Two-Star Recruits podcast, which is always very popular. And then Thursday night, we'll do our uh, Nevada preview podcast. So that should be a lot of fun. If you're listening, yeah, it's probably like seven a week or something, I think, going up on our podcast feed. It's a, that's a lot of podcasts. It is a lot, but it's football season, and we got a lot to talk about. So excited to be on the team, and we'll figure out exactly which tunnel vision I'll be on in the future. I don't think we know if we'll be on the pre or the post. And once that's announced, I'll, I'll let people know. Excited for that, too. So what an exciting time. Football season finally here. So much buildup. I'm excited to actually talk about games now. I'm very excited, too. And it's great to actually have a game. We're going to go into that week zero game a little bit. I was over there. Like we mentioned, uh, Connor wasn't able to, but he'll be there for the rest of them. All the home and away. Uh, but you were around. You, I, you know, I saw your piece on what Lincoln Riley had to say at uh, during the uh, um, Trojans Live. Trojans Live. Yeah, yep. I'm blanking on the name of the show. And then... Uh, uh, you guys, I was I was in the desert yesterday, so I wasn't at to go to practice. But Alex Grinch and uh, Lincoln Riley both talked. Uh, obviously, USC defeated San Jose State uh, fifty six to twenty eight, and I think you know one of the interesting aspects of it, watching as close as I, as I did from the beginning, is the amount of substitutions that were going on. And yeah, the game was closer in general than what people wanted it to be for sure. But I didn't, my gut was going into this that USC was just going to come out and like, hey, man, we had a bad taste in our mouth from last year. We're going to go gangbusters. And I feel like that's not what happened. It was more of a, you know, the the analogy would be like an NFL preseason game. And it wasn't, it was, there was a lot of rotating going on. And I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that first. There was, you know, the first four drives, I believe it was three different offensive lines combinations were used and not just like one guy swapping out like multiple players uh shifting in and out of the game you know they would stay there for the drive which is a little interesting when you have a you know Heisman Trophy winning quarterback and you give them like three different offensive lines not because guys are hurt just because you're trying out it's essentially like a, an audition right uh and on the defensive side a lot of rotations too we saw mid-drive they would come out fresh bodies would come in defensive line we saw a few different combinations at linebacker. I think Kalen Bullock stayed on the, the the field most of the time, but other guys were shifting around. So just a lot of moving parts. Um, and what, we can talk about how that contributed to maybe it being closer than what you think, but what were your thoughts on that? That's I guess that wasn't something I was expecting. I thought it was interesting. It's obvious that the staff is going to slow play this season to begin the year, and the schedule allows for it. The first five games, we've talked about it um, all the time lately, just the fact that you should win those games and you should win them going away, most of them. And that allows you with all these new faces to try some things out and get guys reps at places maybe 
they didn't rep a ton at camp and just kind of throw a lot against the wall and, and see what sticks. So while USC didn't cover the spread and I predicted him to, the rotating had a lot to do with that, of course. And Lincoln Riley mentioned that if they hadn't rotated as many guys, they probably would have won by a larger margin he talked about on Trojans Live. So just from my Pickham perspective, I was annoyed that that they didn't cover. I was 0 for 1 on that. Um, once it was clear that that was what they were going to do, I didn't really mind that much. I think it's good to to see what you got, put as much on tape as you can, review it, see what you like, see what you didn't like. And Coach Riley and Coach Grinch, they talked about how there was so much more good on tape than bad. And I didn't have a huge problem with it. I think the schedule allows you to slow play it. They know that they need to be at their best at the end of the season as opposed to the beginning of it. I have a bunch of more specific thoughts, but overall in terms of just the philosophy of throwing a lot of guys in there and and seeing what they can do, I get it. So many new faces, transfers, true freshmen, that didn't really bother me that much. Yeah, I I mean... The same thing. Our whole staff picked USC to cover the 31 uh, The points. whole staff did? The whole staff did. <laughs> so everyone got it wrong. They were covering at the end of the game. Yeah, they, they probably should have if they didn't give up that last touchdown. Then they gave, that 57-yard run really kind of killed them. Yeah. Uh, and then they put Malachi Nelson in, and they weren't you know really a threat to score uh, late in that one. But, yeah, this was – you felt like if this was a game, you know, the fifth game of the season, and they were playing the exact same opponent in the same situation, like you would have won by more. But this was – Rotating guys in and out, you know, trying to get a feel for things. I thought it was interesting that that Riley said that they probably won't rotate as much coming up this week for Nevada. So it's like a 38-point spread, which I think USC would probably cover that one if you were just trying to play your best players all the time instead of, like, you know, moving things, you know, having that many moving pieces. Plus, Nevada is pretty bad. And I kind of think San Jose State's going to be pretty good. They play Oregon State this weekend. So watch. If they, if they keep it close with, like, Oregon State, who I think is a really good team, that's good. If, if Oregon State just blows them away, then, you know, maybe that's a bit of a problem. But, yeah, it was interesting. What I <clears> – <throat> excuse me. What I think can kind of get lost in the mix, though, is, yeah, they rotated so many guys, and that is kind of an excuse for why they didn't play very well. And I wrote in my notes here, I didn't have a huge issue with some of the issues on the defensive line, some of the linebacking core mistakes, that long Chevin Cordero run in the first quarter on the third and 22 – if you watch that playback and RJ Abadia, our colleague at uscfootball.com, had a great write-up about that play. Barry Alexander messed up, and then Mason Cobb took a bad angle. So they'll learn from that. They'll get better. Where I did kind of have an issue was in the secondary, and I wrote about it, because these were guys who were all here last year. I know Damani Jackson didn't play a lot, but the um, five starting guys, Damani Jackson at one of the corners, Sierra Wright the other corner, Jalen Smith at nickel, then the two safeties, Max Williams and Kalen Bullock, those were guys who were all here last year, and the secondary play kind of looked like what it did a year ago with a couple of coverage busts, guys not being in the right spot, miscommunications. It's the first game. I get it. Damani Jackson, first ever start. I get it. But with Alex Grinch working predominantly with the safeties, everyone being a returner in that starting unit, for them to look very similar to what they did a year ago, that was concerning to me. And I'm excited to see what it looks like in the future, because like we've talked about, Ryan, this whole since I started, they have an opportunity to slow play the season. The mistakes in the beginning can be excused. It's all about what you do at the end of the year when it all matters. So it's not a huge issue, but the secondary not being what I expected was one of my biggest takeaways of the game. And I think a concern until it gets better. Yeah, I've read your piece on that. I liked it a lot. Um They all had a penalty, right? Was that the yep. thing? Everyone Every had a penalty, them. too. And the Kalen Bullock penalty... 
led directly to a touchdown. I think it was on third and goal. He had a holding call in the end zone, and that gave him first and goal, which they scored on. So who knows? It might have been on second and goal, but he pretty much gave him a first and goal from the one opportunity, which wasn't great. Um, But yeah, everyone had a penalty. It just wasn't as clean as I expected from everyone who was here a year ago. Uh, Everyone's coming back. I just thought it was going to be cleaner. Yeah, that would be the group of the the defensive groups, the one that has the most continuity. There, there weren't really, you know, Christian Rolla Wallace was a transfer in, but pretty much everyone else was around the program. They're, you know, being recruited in or whatever. Uh, I thought we'd see more Christian Roland Wallace, and maybe we will. Uh, Jalen Smith actually was the leading tackler for the team, which you know you don't want your nickel being the leading tackler, but that's just one of the things. But you're right. That's if you want to talk about continuity, the, the secondary should have had it where the defensive line, for sure, there's just all these new bodies coming in everywhere. You saw Bear Alexander and Anthony Lucas both in on that very first drive, moving guys around. Um, but it, yes, I, I think that that's one of the disappointing f- factors in USC, you know, last year, this year, it looks like the same thing. When you make that mistake, when it looks like, Oh, you got to tackle for loss. And I think it was maybe the Kalen Bullock, uh, hold or whatever it was like going to be third down yeah. and you had like you know backed ever you know you're backed up it's like wow you could actually force a field goal here nope uh first and goal from the two again you know and that happened a couple of times where a penalty sort of like where you get it you know, yes there were some bad plays to get san jose state into the red zone and down near the goal line but then you start to make a stop and it looks like you're building some momentum and that mistake sent you know screws it up again um you know the third and 22 obviously like if you know what are the odds of San Jose State scoring a touchdown when they have third and twenty-two on their own side of the field? Like, not very good, but they scored a touchdown. Or you know, having thirty seconds left before halftime, or whatever. You know, Caleb Williams having the ball up fourteen. Like, what are the odds that USC goes into halftime down? You know, up seven aren't very good, but it happened. It took a bad offensive series and then a bad defensive series. So it just seemed like some of those mistakes get compounded and then. You have an opportunity to like right the wrong that you just did. You stub your toe. Here's a chance. Nope, you stub it again and then, you know, give up the score. Yeah, and that analysis sounds very similar to what we were saying last year. And you opened the show with this, Ryan. All offseason, we've heard last year's over. We're going to make a statement. Things are going to be different. And for them to come out and have it look similar to how it did a year ago is a little bit concerning. And I'm going to sound like a broken record. The fact that the schedule allows for them to make these mistakes early, though, I think we have to understand that, too. And they don't have to be perfect against San Jose State. It's totally fine to work out kinks. I understand it. But I don't think this defensive staff has really earned the benefit of the the doubt yet. So you just want them to play better. You just want to see progress. We definitely saw some in some areas, and I'm sure we'll get to that uh, down the line here. But I just key in on the secondary because... Like I said earlier, I thought that with so many returning guys, including an All-American in Kalen Bullock, it would look a little bit better. One receiver for San Jose State catches three touchdowns. Not really going to get the job done. I think that's totally fair to say. Yeah, Corey says secondary needs to be simplified. Grinch has to stop complex coverages. Let these guys mainly play man coverage. I mean, I think if you could – complex is fine if if players can grasp it. But if they're not doing a good job of that, like you can't – well, this is a great scheme. It's not a great scheme if the players can't execute it. So uh, I don't know if you agree with that, comment. Absolutely. Yeah. And looking at Damani Jackson, I think it's a fascinating case study just to look at his game overall. Five-star recruit. The 247 composite had him as the number five recruit in his class. He, I think, has the highest ceiling out of anyone on the defense. He admitted to us a couple of weeks ago, I had a lot of trouble adjusting from high school to college, learning the scheme. It was challenging. I work with Dante Williams a lot. I think I'm there. 
and it's just been tough overall. So for him to allow two touchdowns, one a complete coverage bust, and then the one late in the game, he just lost his man. Wasn't as obvious of a coverage bust, but to me it still was. For him to make those two mistakes when he's admitted that he's had trouble learning the scheme, and then Grinch yesterday said, I shouldn't have called that play. Damani hadn't read that defense enough. That was a mistake by me. So for him to be inexperienced and for the team not to have practiced that defense as much as you would like as a fan, and Grinch calls the play in a crucial moment in the game, I think it's a head-scratcher all around. And I think Damani Jackson is fascinating because the ceiling's so high, but he's had trouble learning the defense. And then Christian Roland Wallace comes in, plays a lot of wide corner when he's in the game. He looks really good. It's really important to balance Damani Jackson, that high ceiling you want him, to play well because in the long run he could be really good. But if Christian Roland Wallace is better now and understands the defense now, he has to play. Step one to getting on the field needs to be understanding the defense. And it looks like Damani Jackson, I think he definitely can get there, but he had a couple issues in that first game. And I think that's on Alex Grinch to identify that and make changes. I agree with you. And um, for me, I, I, I want to get your thoughts on this overall. And I, I like the pieces that you wrote on it, but the, um, the fan base for sure uh, is you know, majority of people down, you know, you were down on Alex Grinch coming into the season. So if you gave up a point to San Jose state, you would say here, see, that's why he stinks. You're going to justify what you had previously thought, but I would say overall, just for USC fans, whatever, this is just my opinion. Looking at it, uh, it looked like there was a lot more effort. There was uh, a lot more talent, honestly, on the, the, the defensive side of the ball, People are getting after it. Now, you weren't getting plays, but there was disruption going on. Um, you know, yeah, where they still making mistakes and allowing, you know, rush lanes to open up or not holding the edge. There was stuff like that happening. But as far as effort and what you saw, there was a lot of action, a lot of activity. You know, the rush end spot really was didn't do much last year, and it looked very active. Your starting, you know, linebacker, middle linebacker, Shane Lee, wasn't really finding the field, you know. He there, you know, he was your starter last year. He played with a club on his hand. That Shotgun likes to point out, and he wasn't even good enough to to make it into the first three guys. So, I feel like it's more talented, like we were saying, and it's you know people are like, oh, this happened and this happened. There was a lot of rotating and stuff. I don't. You're not like making excuses, but if I'm looking at this, you know, they tackled better. I had, I didn't think there was as many. Uh, PFF re redid their numbers, said there was eight missed tackles. Just from watching it, I didn't see that. There were some where, like, a guy's probably out of position. Maybe it wasn't considered a missed tackle, but he sh probably should have been there. But for the most part, you didn't see guys getting bowled over when a ball carrier came through them like we did last year. I mean, I think they missed 24 tackles against Utah, uh, 18 against Tulane. Like, there was a lot. I mean, there was a lot of bad stuff going on. But for this, I think they tackled better. Uh, it looked like it was a more talented group. I think Chevin Cordero is actually, you know, he's fast. He's good. He's a six-year guy. You know, you're going to, you learn some stuff playing six years of college football. And I, you know, I like, I think, I think San Jose State might actually be pretty good. So I would not be all down on this defense is just the same as it was last year. I think it's better. But I think the clear thing is if it's not better, there aren't any other where places to point. Like this is like, okay, you're you have enough pieces on the defensive side of the ball. What I saw out there, man, there are guys running around, athletic, big, strong, fast, that kind of stuff. If you can't stop people, you have to look at yourself if you're Alex Grinch and say, what am I do you, someone should be able to take this collection of talent? You could argue they could have did it last year, but I mean, they did definitely didn't have the the depth that they they wanted last year. 
you have it this year, you have the high-end talent. If you're not able to make it work, someone else, I, I, I'm pretty sure someone else could. So I would say don't, you know, oh, the defense is just as bad as last year. And I think a lot of national people are saying that. I would disagree. I don't think it is, but I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that and, you know, where you look at it as overall. Definitely agree with you, but it's the first game with so many new faces. So it's unfair after this game, I think, to say the defense is the same as last year, and that's just how it's going to be. Bear Alexander just enrolled. He's only been here a couple months, and you're relying on him to be one of the pillars inside for your defense. So him making one mistake and it leads to a third and 22 uh, pickup for San Jose State, I'm okay with that. He's a guy who's coming in who's new. He He's still learning. He's still adjusting. And he thought he played solid is what he said yesterday. I thought he played solid too. Lincoln Riley talked about how after watching the film back, Bear Alexander was a guy who did more than they thought in the game. I think the defensive line is the strength of the team's defense. And it just is going to take some time to gel because you're potentially looking at starters who are all transfers. If Jamil Muhammad is the rush end, Anthony Lucas is the defensive end inside. Maybe it's Jack Sullivan, Bear Alexander, Keon Bars. That's five guys who are probably your top five guys on the defensive line. And they're all new. The ceiling is high, but I think the floor, at least for right now, is low because these guys haven't gelled yet, haven't played a lot of football together yet. And this plays into Alex Grinch's role in this way. I think because everyone's so new, yeah, you would have liked him to have played a little bit better, maybe gotten more than the one sack that they did. But it's so new, and it's unfair to say the defense isn't good because of one game when so many people are new. Let's give them the—even though I said they didn't really deserve the benefit of the doubt, let's just give them an opportunity, the staff and the players, to show what they can do because we have three or four games now where it's going to be an easy opponent and they can work out some kinks. Let's let them work out the kinks before we start hammering them too much. No, I would agree with you there, and it's— you know, we don't get to watch practice as much. It's more about the nuances you get from talking to players, talking to coaches, what we do get to see. And then, you know, getting to see an actual game and watching and just knowing like, okay, this is better than what it was last year. So I'm, yeah, I'm definitely willing to sort of uh, give a little pass and, uh, and see how things go. Nevada should be an overmatched opponent for sure. Uh, Brendan Lewis, you know, the quarterback, you know, USC beat him up when he was with Colorado and yeah. Clay Helton was the head coach. So, and they went four and eight that year. Yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, that was one of the wins that you got. So I don't feel this is going to be one of, um, you know, it's going to be a huge test. What should you take a lot away from USC winning this one, like 66 to seven, if that's what happens? No, I don't think, I don't think you just say, okay, they fixed everything. I'm just saying, you know, what, from what I've watched, I think it's going to be a better effort going forward. Yeah, and to, um, to your point, though, if it continues and at the end of the year it looks like this, then, of course, it falls on one guy, and that's totally fair. And I think Alex Grinch understands that, too. So he's feeling the heat. He's feeling the pressure. Right now, we can't say fire him, let him go. More time needs to go by. we got to give him a chance with all the new faces. But if it looks like this, based on what you said earlier, Ryan, about how if it looks like this later in the year, it, it falls squarely on one person. I, I agree. And you've got to throw Lincoln Riley in there, too. I think the other encouraging thing would be um, they did force three and outs. And it wasn't like I would have liked to see a couple of field goals forced, like, you know, stiffen up in the red zone. That didn't happen. There was defensive mistakes and penalties a lot of times that kind of kept drives going where they could have potentially forced a field goal or forced like a fourth and goal from the five or something. But, you know, holding penalty or whatever gets you a first and goal at the two. Um, so, okay. So that's not going to, or a pass interference, something like that. 
But they did force, um, I think it was four three and outs, and one of them was like a five and out where they give up first down and then or four and out and then three, you know, three and out right after that from the drives, which I wanted to see more of that. There weren't stops that were like, oh, you just got a pick six or an interception or something. Like these were okay, you got three and out. You forced a negative play, you kept things going. They should have had more. I mean, that third and twenty-two, that's inexcusable. Like they're certainly, but I feel like just getting some of those three and outs, that's what I want to see more of. Like just come to play. You you're you're on it this this series. Like boom, we got now, Eric Gentry came in and they got two three and outs right away, which is good. I think he was on the field for all of their three and outs, if I'm not mistaken. But you know, that getting something like that is a big deal. You get the ball back uh to your offense. And they just weren't doing a lot of that last year. And I think you know, Cordero's going to get his, but you got him a few times too. We'll see how good he ends up being and in this the San Jose State team ends up being. I mean, they were a bowl team last year. I think they're probably a little bit better than that this year. They're, you know, he's the preseason Mountain West player of the year. I mean, just, you know, he, this isn't some bum. He's good, he's a good quarterback. He's a group of five quarterback, but he's the best in his conference in the group of five. So I feel like, you know, that's part of like how all this is going to come together. Um and, you know, I don't know if USC is going to be tested at the quarterback position for a little while. You know, we'll see. Uh, you know, going to Arizona State, maybe. I just don't think Stanford's going to be that good. Nevada's definitely not that good. Um, so we'll see maybe after the bye week against ASU. You know, we're not sure what mental health state they're going to be in with losing their bowl. You know, Kenny Dillingham's first year, they don't have a bowl game to, to play in or anything. But I feel like... The three and outs are important. Like that was a big, that was something that was different from last year. Um, you know, this is a better opponent than Rice. So there was some good, I mean, there were definitely bad, but I think there were some good aspects of it too that gives you sort of hope that if, you know, at the end of the game against Utah or Tulane, if you got one three and out, you know, if you got one stop, you win the game. And they weren't able to like get that stop, you know, and they got a bunch of them on Saturday. They gave up other ones too, but I think, being able to get those stops, not every drive, but some, uh, that's that's what you needed to see from this defense. And we didn't see it at the end of last year. So if they can do it a little, once or twice, I think it'll make a big difference. Certainly that was encouraging. And I just think it looks like you certainly hit on some of the transfers just from one game. Jamil Muhammad looks like he's going to be a big impact guy. In the PFF regrade, he graded out as the highest USC defensive player. I think he had three or four pressures and... We all saw he almost had that near sack before Cordero threw the ball away. He just looks like a guy who could really have an impact for you. Bear Alexander popped for me a couple times. Jack Sullivan looked good against the run. So at worst, I think it looks like the team definitely hit on some of these defensive transfers. And then you add in some freshmen like Elijah Hughes. It looks like he might play a role. It's encouraging. And I just think as more time goes on, things are going to get better for this unit. And I agree, Ryan. There were some encouraging three and outs. How they responded to some of the San Jose's touch. Uh, San Jose State touchdown drives were encouraging, certainly, and wasn't all bad. I definitely thought overall I wanted to see more, and I, I you know, left sort of a bitter taste in my mouth, especially how they ended that first half. But you're right, there was some good, too, and getting those three and outs is important. The fact that they didn't get a turnover, I think, might help them in the long run because then yeah. you just took more reps defensively than you would have otherwise if you got one of those turnovers. So uh, those are just some of my thoughts there, and I agree with you, too, the the Three and outs were very, very encouraging. Yeah. We got a shout out from Brazil. Love the international stuff. Uh, uh, Sandro. Hello from Brazil. Go Trojans. Well, welcome into the show, Sandro. Appreciate that. Uh, thanks for watching on YouTube. Everyone watching on YouTube. Thanks very much. Uh, wow. We got 
we got like a couple hundred people watching. That's nice. Uh, thanks for doing that. I told Connor, like, I tweeted it out last night, and I didn't really, since I've been like coming back from the desert, I didn't really get a chance to promote it. So thanks for everyone that's uh, watching us live on our YouTube channel. That's uh, it's amazing. Please hit that like button and subscribe. The little so it'll notify you when uh, uh, when we go live, and we're doing that quite a bit uh, during the season. So make sure you come, uh, you know, check all that stuff out. Uh, let's see. All right. So a lot of defensive talk. The offensive side. You know, 56 points, there was, you know, seven of those points came up. Zachariah Branch, who's an absolute stud. A uh, couple of big punt returns, big kickoff return for a touchdown. But, I, you know, I he's one of those breakout stars. But I love the fact that they spread the ball around. I think 12 different guys caught passes. I believe eight different ball carriers or seven different ball carriers that had one team one. Um, it wasn't. You know, it might have been like a C-plus effort from the offense overall, and you still put up a crap ton of points. Um, four touchdowns for Caleb Williams. Did run around a little bit, but like I mentioned at the top of the show, I, I wasn't a huge fan of like using three completely different offensive lines in the first four drives. Like that was a little much. I don't think you'll see as much of that changing. Uh, we did see Alani Noah get the start, so that was kind of a – uh, that was interesting there. And, you know, he was swapping off with a Magno Pregnon. Um, but, you know, in general, kind of what were your thoughts on the offense? It just seemed like even when they're like, eh, they're like, you're still going to score a whole bunch of points. And that's that's kind of my feeling of what happened. I agree. Zach Branch, the headliner, Caleb Williams had a solid game. Branch, just when he caught a few of those passes, it just kind of takes your breath away. Amazing. That speed. He just looked like he belonged. PFF had him, the average distance of the routes he ran were 3.6 yards, and then he had 50 yards after the catch. So Lincoln Riley is just so good with slot receivers, and Branch is just another example. So he lines up on the inside, just runs a little slant, or even behind the line of scrimmage sometimes he he caught, or I guess those would be laterals, not passes, but just getting him the ball in tight spaces and then letting him do what he does, that was great to see, and Lincoln Riley's so good at that. So that was one of my big takeaways as well. Looks like Branch fits right in, and that's not exactly news to anyone. So I was really excited about that. thought the running backs looked good, which... I expected as well. Austin Jones had a great game. Marshawn Lloyd was great in pass protection, so that was encouraging. He broke a couple tackles as well, looked solid. Coach Riley said he was a little nervous and played a little antsy to begin the game, and then in the second half looked better. But we can talk about the offensive line a little bit. I was surprised by that too, and I just wonder if that came down to sending a couple guys a message like, hey, you're not just going to come in here transferring and play right away. you got to earn that job. And maybe that was Josh Henson and Lincoln Riley's way of explaining that to some of the transfers who maybe thought they would just come in and start and it would be no problem, easy. I'm this big money transfer guy just going to come in and take the spot. I wonder if some of that, Ryan, was a little bit of a wake-up call to those guys. USC knew they'd probably beat San Jose State. They could afford to do something like that. And I wonder if it worked. It'll be interesting to see what happens against Nevada because – Emmanuel Pregnon should beat out Alani Noah. He just should. He's a guy who yeah. has NFL potential, a guy from Wyoming who was offered by everyone. Alani Noah, it's really encouraging what he's done. Three-star recruit, freshman. Emmanuel Pregnon should win that job. Yeah. Uh, we got people telling us where they're watching. Uh, at work, not working. I <laughs> uh, love it. Appreciate that. Uh LBC, Robbie. Some of us are always watching. Don't always comment, Ryan. Well, that's good. Thanks for commenting. You, you comment once. I'll put it up on the screen there for you. Uh, it's good. Yeah. If you are watching on YouTube, I'll try to, like, while I'm talking and 
and hosting the show and everything, I will try to look for fun comments and uh, put them up on the screen. And any questions you have, I will star them and uh, we'll get to them uh, afterwards. Yeah, I, you know, the offense is going to be really good. I like to see, you know, Dorian Singer was sort of slow to get going and then, okay, he pops. Brendan Wright, so I thought, man, he's going to have a big game, like one catch for a touchdown. That's it. We saw some Deuce Robinson uh, getting in there. Miller Moss found him a few times. That was cool. Um, it's, I, I don't know what you do. Um, you know, I know there's some controversy this week. Raleigh Brown or Raleigh Brown was uh, on the scout team at practice on Tuesday. And Lincoln Riley sort of addressed that a little bit. But there's just so many guys, it's hard to, it's hard to get everybody in, you know. And, I, you know, I, I like the way Austin Jones, he likes getting a couple touchdowns a game. That's just kind of his thing. <laughs> uh, Marshawn Lloyd looks like he's a legit back. We saw some Quentin Joyner. Those seem to be the top three, at least, you know, right there. There's just a lot of offensive guys. With Lake McCree had three catches. Not a big part of the offense, but, you know, he was, he was in there a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's encouraging to kind of see the, the issues you're going to have is, I think, you know, we saw like um, Kyle Ford transfer last year. Just, you know, he had some games where he was flashing, but there was just not enough. You're just not going to get enough reps and not enough, you know, there's not enough balls to go around. You might see that again. There might be some talented guys transferring out because it's just, what are you going to do? There's just, there's no way you can get everybody the ball. Um, and that's, they have enough receivers where, I mean, just about anybody could could have a big game. Absolutely, and I left Raleigh Brown off of my top thirty in the re rank of most important Trojans after initially having him in the top thirty, just because he seems like the odd man out. Out of all these talented wide receivers, he's still learning the position. He's a guy who played running back in high school, a guy who came in, played running back last year, got hurt. They said they wanted to transition him to receiver a little bit last year, but the injury only uh, it forced their hand, and so he had to play running back. So I look at him as right now the odd man out. That can all change. Coach Riley talked about how a lot of great players he's had are on the scout team. But to me, he just seems pretty distantly far down that depth chart in the room that's the best room, arguably in the country, but the best room on the team for sure, that wide receiver room. So I, I totally agree with that. It's a shame, but that's what happens. You got to recruit at the highest level you can, and you're not going to make everyone happy if you're recruiting really well. So uh, I hope Riley has a chance to turn things around. I Got to know him a little bit at modern day, his couple of years high school there. Good guy, nice kid, rooting for him, but we'll see. It seems like he's at the bottom right now and he's got to rise to the top. Yeah, I would agree with you there. And we'll, but we've seen this before. And I think Lincoln Riley made this, you know, talked about this. It's one game. Um, you know, there'd be games, you know, Taj Washington was the second leading, you know, receiver on the team last year. And there was games where he didn't do anything, right? And then I feel like that's the same way. Like Brendan Rice has one catch for a touchdown. He might get, eight targets next game. Like you just don't know. Like that's one of the kind of beauties of it that you're not really sure who's going to get what and you can mix it around. Um, so yeah, I think, I think you have a pretty good feel for what the running backs are going to be. Like, I like that one, two punch with you got Quentin Joyner coming in um, and mixing things up receiver. It's, it's a little harder to say just because there's so many guys and you're not really sure. I think uh, Kyron Hudson, cause he was called like the MVP of camp, tried to get him the ball early. And I think he had a drop and then kind of came back later uh, and did well, um, it, you know, but I think they're going to be, more, they're going to, you're probably going to see a more solid offensive line against Nevada that it's just, here's the guys that are probably going to be your starters. And then maybe you mix some dudes in. Um, yeah. My, my gut is they're going to like kind of boat race Nevada a little bit and be a little more sure of where guys are playing. 
The one good thing is you got a lot of dudes on tape from last week. Um, I think it was at 40 something players had at least 10 snaps. It wasn't like come in for two or three snaps. A lot of players played a bunch of, you know, multiple snaps. You could kind of see what they could do. Um, but I, I feel like you're going to, it's going to be a little tighter when it comes to Nevada, which you would, you'd rather those games be switched where you could kind of do this um, hockey line substitutions for Nevada and then uh, be a little more solid for a better team in San Jose State. But it's kind of looks like it'll be the other way around. I agree with that. You mentioned Quentin Joyner. I just don't understand why Riley Brown couldn't have been the third running back on this team. I don't yeah. understand why they had to pigeonhole him at receiver. But talking to him at media day, he said this was the plan all along. The fact that he can't get on the field until late in the fourth quarter because he's learning the position and there are just so many talented guys ahead of me. I think that's a, a curious situation. And I agree with what you said there, Ryan. You wish the games were flipped because Nevada, you definitely could afford to roll more guys out there and San Jose State. While you still won by a wide margin, it was a little bit different. Um, but I, I agree with you. I, I am picking USC to cover the spread again. So fade me, everyone. I was 0 for 1 last week. Feel free to fade and pick Nevada. That'll probably be what happens. Uh, I, I just think it's a little bit different now. Lesser opponent, tightening the belt a little bit. They should win by 40. Yeah, I think so. I think they will. Uh, if not, there's probably a major problem there. Uh, Adrian says, watching live from Belize. Wow. Uh, fight on. Hello, Adrian. That's a, so we got some more international uh, viewers. Thank you for that, Adrian. I I went to Belize once and it was amazing. I loved it uh, down there. You know, I was not impressed with special teams. And I kind of talked about this with Coach Harvey Hyde. Get your thoughts. Uh, you know, I thought the punting would be a lot better. It was kind of meh. You know, you no flip in the field or anything like that. You know, of course, Zachariah Branch is amazing. But if you, you know, 2016, USC fans remember, I think John Baxter was a special teams coach. They screwed up all kinds of stuff. But you had Adoree Jackson returning kicks and punts, and he makes you look like a genius. And I feel like, in general, the special teams were just kind of like, meh. But you get, you have the special talent returning kicks and punts, and he makes things happen. So, um, yeah, I just wasn't super impressed with special teams work outside of, uh, Zachariah Branch coming in and, and making everything crazy. Great point. Punting, I didn't think was great. I agree. The kickoffs, a lot of times, weren't going into the end zone, which gives the other team an opportunity to return it, of course. And one went out of bounds. Yeah, one went out of bounds. They lose the um, onside kick. Yeah, that was and, terrible. And, and the illegal block or not, you just got to understand situations. And everyone who I've, a lot of people I've talked to, the, oh, USC, they couldn't touch the ball until it goes 10 yards. No, that's the that's the kicking team. USC can touch the ball whenever. So if it's a slow roller like that, and it might stop right 10 yards past where it was kicked, like it did, and then the other team gets it, you got to make the decision. Someone on that unit, just dive on the ball and make sure it's yours. So they were unprepared last year with special teams. They were unprepared in this game, I thought. And Coach Riley can argue all he wants about the illegal block or not. And that replay, oh my goodness, 14 minutes. I was watching with my dad and he was like, are you kidding me? We had we had fast forward and it was we couldn't fast forward through that fast enough because... I couldn't watch it live, of course. So I agree with that as well. And and I just don't know with no designated coach, like what's the way back? How can you improve on special teams without a coach? So that's, we you talked about this. Zachariah Branch. Yeah, well, you yeah, I mean, he he's great. But the, the other stuff, that's, you know, against good teams, that's how you win and lose games. So, yeah, uh, yeah. an underrated says, concern. Yeah, he says, what happened in the kickoff that went out of bounds? Did he slip? I didn't go back and look. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure, but. Yeah, you can't have kickoffs going out of bounds. One of the worst things you could do. And I thought, 
he would be able to like boom them, you know, five yards deep. And the first, I think the first, they had a couple that were just barely into the end zone and got touchbacks on, but there weren't like six, seven yards deep where you had to do a touchback. It was sort of like at the discretion. They could have been returned. And people in the comments, if I'm wrong on this, please let me know. So Eddie Chaplicki was brought in to kick off, and I thought he started kicking off, and then I don't think they liked what he did. And then Dennis Lynch, I know, was kicking off because I saw him do it on oh, the, yeah. one of the, the kickoffs, and I think he was struggling to get it out of bounds. So that's a little frustrating. You bring in a guy who you thought was going to be able to do both. He was all conference at Arizona State, and I'm sure he can get better. And I, you know, I don't want to rip the, the kicker and punter, but uh, – Thought that was something they had taken care of, and it looks like that might be a question mark. So this was like your first opportunity because you were gone at your you know college roommate's wedding, which Ooh. you know doesn't he understand not to have fall weddings? Yeah. Isn't that the thing? I guess it really wasn't a fall wedding; it was late late August. But um, any other thoughts you want to do from this game before we kind of move on? We'll we'll get to some questions and stuff. Um, we're going to preview USC Nevada more uh, on Thursday night for Tunnel Vision. I'm also scheduling an interview with a beat writer that covers uh, Nevada or Nevada. What did you say, Nevada or Nevada? I say Nevada, but I could definitely have it wrong. And if you want to say Nevada, we can make an executive I don't know, I, decision. I kind of bounce back and forth. I think I'd probably say both, but um, yeah, I'm going to have someone that covers uh, Nevada, Nevada, <laughs> whatever you want to say uh, on this week. So it might be a standalone podcast, or I might play it on our Tunnel Vision show on Thursday. I'm not sure yet, but we will have a little more details about that. But they were two and ten last year, um, pretty terrible. A couple of their coaches left in the last like week. Uh, that's not a good sign. So there's, you know, uh, this is not going to be a, a like I think San Jose State. Brett Brennan's a really good coach, sort of like the well-oiled machine thing coming in. Like they're going to be pretty good. Like they're not going to be as talented, but they're going to be well coached. And uh, if you make mistakes, they're going to be able to capitalize on those. I don't think it's going to be the same thing when you're playing UNR, you know? So, um, yeah. So I, I don't think it's going to be as, as uh, you know, tough of a test. Um, so we'll see how that's going. But we'll do some previews and stuff a little bit later in the week. But any other thoughts you had from this game, Connor, you want to share? I don't have my game notes right in front of me, but just something that I remember from those was just – watching the game on TV, I was blown away by how after Miller Moss scores, everybody on the team comes over on the sideline and is giving him a dap, is shaking his hand, giving him a hug. Everyone, even Caleb Williams was so happy for him. Everyone looked genuinely happy yeah. for Miller Moss. And the reason I even bring it up is because, of course, you're going to be happy for a guy who doesn't play a lot to score. But I was just, it, it felt like an overwhelming situation, just how people were everyone on the team is coming up to him and, and you know, you score maybe a few guys, Hey, nice job. Nice job. I think that just speaks to the kind of leader that he is, even though he's not in a leadership role as the backup quarterback, people really look up to him, really respect him, really like him. And that was one of my big takeaways from this game late in the game. Of course, it, the, the, it was not in doubt what was going to happen, but him scoring and the reaction from the team to him scoring was something that I won't forget anytime soon. No, I agree with you. That was great to see him kind of running in there. And uh, he had a big play to Deuce Robinson. And, you know, I, I felt he like good. He looked really good. He looked good. I think, he, you know, definitely someone that could could play. And it wasn't like he was going against he was going against the same defense that Caleb Williams was going against, too. So uh, and for the most part, he had he had, I think, Justin Dietrich as the center for the first drive. And then I think it was maybe Gino Quinones was the second drive. They kind of swapped centers and stuff after that. Uh, but he had partial 
first team offensive line, but there really wasn't one for that game because Caleb Williams played with like three different offensive lines anyway, too. <laughs> um, Chris on uh, on YouTube says uh, JJ the th- JJ the third plays for Nevada, so John Jackson um, he does he's transferred to Nevada. So does Jason Rodriguez. So is he on the roster? Oh, he was- is he not? So that's what we is that were fake lo- news. It, no, it, that's what he was announced as. But then Chris looked up the roster and didn't see him on there. So uh, well, that's a telltale sign that he might not be. But yeah, but he that was, was he announced a transfer. Um, Maybe he's not playing football then. He might like there was questions if he was going to play football anymore. But then once he transfers there, I thought that was an opportunity for him to do that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. And then uh, yeah, we mentioned like Brendan Lewis. You might you know the the, the Colorado quarterback is there, but we've had some people that said we watch a lot of mountain West, like San Jose state's a legit team. Like they'll fight for the mountain West crown this year. Uh, Nevada. No, they're not going to be doing that. So do you see him on there or no? Did you nope, see not on there. So, uh, he was on the, our lads depth chart that I was looking at. So can't trust that site of course. No. So that's my fault. But, uh, I thought seeing his name, I was like, Oh, okay. That makes sense. But yeah, I guess he's not playing. Oh yeah. And Elijah Winston, um, Blackie Chan, uh, that's another uh, former USC player that, and he's been there a couple of years. I think he does a pretty nice job uh, over there. What's going on? All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back and uh, start doing some questions. We got voicemails and we got emails and we got chat boxes. So we'll try to get through it. We don't have to rapid fire them, but we'll be back in a minute. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Thanks, everyone, for watching and listening. We got, man, we got like 260-something people on our YouTube channel. Only 51 likes. Get in there. Smash that like button, please. (laughs) Go in there. Smash it. Like it. You like it. Um, It does help us. Tell your friends about it. Share the link. Whatever you want to do. We thank you for, uh, for doing that. So let's do this. Three simple words. You've got mail. Woohoo! <laughs> Love my Homer. I forgot to play that sound sometimes. We have a couple. This one I like. Um, oh, there's one more, I think. Uh, crap. Oh, I don't think I have it in here right now. But Oh, maybe it's on the other one. Uh, let's see. Where is it? Oh, this one. Now for my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God. This is always death. <laughs> Love that one from Krusty. It's funny. Yeah. Talk to the audience. That's what we're going to do. Um, we had, This is a voicemail that was sent to us a few weeks ago before 
the news of Solomon Tuila Pupu was official. So we weren't really talking about the injury because we knew about it. We reported on the Parastel, but we weren't, or we, I think it was in the war room or something. Um, but Eddie and Orange wrote in, uh, let me play this for you. Uh, this is for uh, the main show for uh, Ryan and Connor. Um, you got to help me, man. The music solo has got me down. You know, feel real bummed out about that. Um, and hopefully he gets a seventh year and he comes back. He gets one more run at it. You know, I, I, I think I speak for a lot of uh, ESC fans out there saying that solo going down was heart-wrenching yesterday. Um, oof. You know, hopefully, he, like I said, gets another year. Um, I don't know what your, what, any information you can share. I know there's a information embargo out there um, about, you know, about exactly what it is, but anything you can share about that would be great. Um, I'm very sad, Eddie from Orange. Yeah, Eddie, I felt bad, but, like, we really couldn't play this because, like we said, until Lincoln Riley announced the injury, um, I guess we got to see Solo for the first time yesterday after practice. But, yeah, any kind of thoughts on uh, Solomon Tuialapupu? Some before practice couldn't have been in better spirits, which was so great to see. I'm sure when the injury first happened, he must have been devastated, just like Eddie at Orange and a bunch of USC fans. Um, and he said to Chris and I, seventh year, baby, with a big smile. So sounds like he wants to be back next season. So at least USC fans, if he gets that waiver cleared, we'll have that to look forward to. Yeah, that's a that's a good sign. Um, I mean, the, sometimes it just doesn't work for people. And man, it's just he's had so many so much adversity. Um, but you know, we'll see. Hopefully, uh, he can bounce back from this. I, I know he can. He's a tough kid. And that's that's the worst type of injury in football when it's a guy who is obviously talented. We all saw what he did in high school. A guy who was going to play a role, who's still really young in the grand scheme of things, and his body just breaks down. Feel awful for him. I hope everything works out in twenty twenty four. All right, let's. Uh, we got an email. This is Stephen Poway. He says, "I had two surprise uh, surprises watching Saturday's game against San Jose State. Both have to do with body types. So, number one, he has Marshawn Lloyd. Number zero is built like a road grader. He's surprisingly strong, but also quick and fast with the ball in his hands. I did not expect him to be so big and strong. Great surprise. Um, yeah, what did you think? Uh, I'll, we'll just do that one first. What did you think of?" Uh, uh, of Lloyd there. He is exceptional as a pass blocking running back. And if you can do that, forget about what you can do with the ball in your hands. If you can block, you're going to get on the field. And we all knew he was going to get on the field, but the fact that he's such a good blocker for only being five foot eight is really encouraging. And what was the emailer's name? Who from Poway? Steve? Steve. Steve yeah. was, is right. He is built really, really, he's, he's thick. He's a, he's a great blocker for not being someone who's that tall. And that's going to be his ticket to get on the field when he gets the ball in his hands too. thought he looked really good in the second half. And Lincoln Riley, I think I mentioned this earlier, talked about how in the first half of the game, he was a little antsy, maybe wasn't making the right reads, but once he settled down in the second half, they really liked what they saw from him. And I think he's going to have a really big role as the year goes on. No, I agree with you there. I uh, just like, just love his game. Him and, uh, and Austin Jones, I think, are going to be a great Yeah, great uh, one-two one punch, punch, yeah. For sure. He says, on the other hand, Deuce Robinson is built like an old-school basketball player. I know he's just a freshman, 
but I had been imagining a much heavier, stronger guy since he had originally been recruited as a tight end. Plus, I know he's a serious baseball player. Has Deuce lost a lot of weight since the start of fall camp? Some guys do lose weight in the heat. And he says, see this 24-7 sports report from below. And the r- report was um, checking at checking at checking in at 6'6 six six and, and a half, 229 pounds. Robinson more than checks the box on height, weight, profile for the tight end position. So that that's what someone at 247 wrote about him before. Uh, any thoughts on his kind of body type, Connor? Well, I definitely think he has more of a receiver body type than a tight end body type, especially yeah. in the USC offense when the tight ends are asked to do so much blocking. So it makes a lot of sense that he switched. To me, he's looked the same from when he got on campus to now. I just think his height is why he weighs so much. He's so tall that that's why he's he's 225. So I don't know who wrote that 247 article. I don't mean to throw them under the bus, but I, I want my tight end to be a little bit heavier. I know in the NFL, you can maybe sometimes, if you are a good blocker, just a little smaller, get away with being a little bit smaller. And if you can run great routes, that that's fine. But um, yeah, I'm not really surprised by his size. I, I think that's kind of what he's always been. And if he can gain a little bit of muscle and gain some weight, that would be great. Yeah, I saw him... Uh for the first time really in person, I think I might've seen him like a year or two ago, but like uh, in January at the uh, Polynesian bowl over in Hawaii, he came in, I think it was a day late when he came in, but I didn't look at him and go tight end. I looked at big, tall receiver. You yeah. know, I wasn't like, Oh, that guy's, you know, six foot six, 255 pounds. It wasn't, he didn't look like that. He looked like a tall, lanky receiver. So I don't think it's something that changed when he was at USC, but you know, that was just from what I was watching. Uh, let's go to another voicemail. Hey, Ryan and team. First of all, this is Thomas from Malibu. Great job. Hey, for everyone on the Peristyle and everyone on Twitter, I guess you don't like Alex Grinch. I guess that Lincoln Riley brought him back this year. I get all that. You don't have to keep saying it over and over and over again. Was the game against San Jose State State defensively perfect? Far from it. But it's zero week. Let's see what adjustments Grinch makes in the coming weeks, Lincoln makes in the coming weeks. A lot of people play. I I just don't understand some of these folks. Listen, if you hate Grinch, I get it. If you don't think Lincoln Riley knows what he's doing, fine. Your opinion, I get it. But to just repeat it over and over and over again like a broken record, guys, you got to find a hobby or something else to do with your time. Anyway, fight on. Looking forward to the game next Saturday. Thomas from Malibu. Thanks, Thomas. Um, yeah, and I think – so if you're on the – hopefully you're on the Peristyle. If not, we're actually still doing our 50% off sale right now for annual memberships. Go in there and uh, check that out. It's the best deal around. Um, it's like – $4.50 a month, you know, like for a cup of coffee, you can get tons of information about USC football. You go to the water cooler at work, if they still do those things, and you'll be the most informed <laughs> USC fan around. So make sure you go check it out. But yes, so what ends up happening is uh, people get an idea in their head, like posters, like, I don't like USC's defensive coordinator. So they'll post on the bar- peristyle, I don't like the defensive coordinator. And then whatever gets some attention. And then someone else posts an article about or posts a thing about, oh, I liked how much we rotated in the game. And then someone goes into that thread and says, I don't like Alex Grinch as the defensive coordinator. And it's like, well, this thread isn't about that. But they're trying, they're just basically trying to say it over and over and over again. And we get it. 
Like, we understand. Um, you were hoping that USC had, a, like, a really good defensive effort. It wouldn't have stopped it, but it would have, like, slowed the flow down a little bit. Like, you kind of, like, um, you know, that's like putting one finger in the dike and it's just not as much water it's coming out. But it's coming out fast again, too. So I don't think a great defensive performance against uh, Nevada is going to really help that much. But it might slow down the, like, Alex, whenever this happens, you're like, see, I told you, Alex Christian's terrible. Like, that's just what we get. But there's a little much of it. Like, you don't need to say it over and over and over again. Like, we understand. Like, we understand your position on this. People have their minds made up. So, yeah, you're right. They're just going to keep saying it. I will say this, though. Not a USC fan. Didn't grow up a USC fan. Watching how that first half ended, though, I was like, are you effing kidding me? That's they just did that. So imagine if I was a diehard fan, I'd be thinking to myself, this not only ruined my day, I know they won, but I'd be thinking about that all week. I couldn't get that play out of my head. The fact that last year went the way it did, and then you have this major coverage bust in a situation right before the half where we all know how important it is to get away clean at the end of the first half, and and they do that. I do not blame fans for being frustrated with that sequence and leading them to type stuff on the internet about the defensive coordinator. I get that. Yeah, there's a lot of the typing stuff about the defensive coordinator on the internet, and most of it's on my site. So, uh, all right. Let's go to uh, YouTube comment. Jorge, uh, how far is Corey Foreman from uh, coming back? He played. He got in the, you know, I think he's cleared to play, right? He got on the field. Cleared to play. They might be slow playing him a little bit, but part of me just thinks maybe he, unless there are injuries, he just might not have much of a role this year. We'll see, though. He, he had been hurt and... Even though he was cleared, they it could be like a Zion branch where they're slow playing him a little bit. But I just think with all they, they brought in five defensive linemen who are all going to play a lot. He's certainly behind them. You throw in Solomon Bird, that's six. He's behind those guys. He's just not in a good spot on the depth chart. And I, I don't know. I'd be a little bit concerned if I had Corey Foreman stock. I don't even know if we'll get an opportunity to play that much. Yeah. Uh, let's go. Blackie Chan always has good questions in the YouTube chat. Any reason why Rice, uh, he's talking about Brendan Rice, didn't get too much playing time except for the end uh, of the starters? I think, I don't know, um, about his playing time. I thought we'd see more of him. He did get a touchdown, but, you know, that was his only target, I believe. Uh, that, w- that was interesting. Part of it, I think, is they know what they have with him. But also, you know how he talked about the offensive linemen wanting to motivate guys. I think Kyron Hudson being labeled the starter or Rice, I think that was kind of a, Brendan, you had a great bowl game last year, but we want to see a little bit more from you. I think that was a way to motivate Brendan Rice. He was only in there for a few snaps and he did get that touchdown. So I think he is going to play a big role and he's certainly a guy who who I, I think will have a good season. But I think a little bit the past few weeks, I wouldn't be surprised if they were trying to motivate him a little bit. They want to see maybe a little more from him in practice. Don't have any informed. Uh, that's not an informed opinion or anything. I, I, that's just a guess on my end. But that's kind of how I sourced. Yeah. yeah. No, no. Not, not sourced. Just a radio talking point. Uh, a take, I guess. I like your read. I think. Yeah, there, this happens sometimes. Right. Where and then you can do that in a game like this where like, you know, you're, we're gonna like play this guy ahead of you and let's see if it lights a fire under yeah. you. And yeah. Um, all right. Along those lines, uh, we had a question from Mike. Who's wide receiver number one? I thought Mario Williams would be, but he didn't do much last game. He had that big fourth down catch. Like he's still gonna be like a safety blanket, I think. 
But there definitely wasn't a wide receiver one. It was just spread around a lot more. And I feel like with all the receivers, it might be a lot of that this year. Yeah, I would stick with Taj Washington, who out of all the returners had the most yards from last season. I think he is, but he was only targeted twice. So I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. We've talked about Dorian Singer, potentially Rice. You'd have to throw his name in the ring, too. If Zach Branch keeps up this torrid pace, is it? possible that he's your leading receiver as a true freshman I wouldn't bet on that but I think that's a possibility the fact that I'm naming so many names though speaks to what you said Ryan they don't really have that true number one and I think Lincoln Riley likes it that way no I kind of think so too um but my gut is like Dorian Singer is gonna like he if you're gonna have him have a huge game at some point I think all of them can um but you know the fourth down play that's where he went the play where he fumbles the snap he goes to Tosh Washington I mean, just back foot, hucks it like 50 yards in the air. Like, just not a lot of dudes can do that. So that was pretty crazy. Uh, we got another email. All the chatter in the offseason was that the USC defensive problems were about personnel, not scheme. After the first game of the season, can we now say there are legitimate reasons to question the scheme? Real quick, I think, I mean, you can question it even from last year, but you felt like the bigger problem was personnel. I think they've addressed the personnel part. If, like we said earlier, if uh, they're still having problems, then it's it's you got to just circle scheme scheme there. But any thoughts? I think play calling too. Do you really need to blitz on a third and twenty two? Probably not. Just keep everything in front of you, and if they gain twenty, they're still probably punting. So that's a play that sticks out. The the Damani Jackson play with Max Williams, where they had the breakdown and coverage. A play Alex Grinch said we hadn't worked on that that much. I shouldn't have called it. So. I think it is a little bit of scheme, of course, but the play calls at times leave a little bit to be desired, just a lack of feel a little bit from the guy calling them. So uh, I think that plays into it as well. We'll see what happens, though. Next few games, I'm expecting a defensive turnaround. And then once things get going for real against some better opponents, that's when things really get started. So I think it's a mixture of all that, but let's give them a chance to right the ship and we'll see what happens. I think uh, it's funny. This is a great, I didn't even plan this to come up this way, but uh Third 22 blitz, right? Yeah. Um, the right before the end of the half, I think it was third and long, third and 10 or something, uh, broken coverage, give up a touchdown. What would you rather see them do? Like sort of play like a soft zone, like back off and keep things in front of them. Like in both those situations, like that'd probably be smart, right? Makes the most sense or. Yeah. Or after I think. The one completion, I think Sierra Wright was on the receiver that got him close to field goal range. Maybe say, hey, you're getting three, but that's it. Yeah, you're kind of keep, keeping things in front of you. You're yeah. not giving up a touchdown there. You're not giving then don't up. Then do break. Yeah. Uh, well, Dr. Nick says, can someone please explain to me why we play soft coverage on third and long versus inferior talent? San Jose uh, extended too many drives due to lapses in coverage. Yeah, I don't think the soft – I mean, if you're talking about like some kind of a zone, I don't think – I think that's what you wanted them to do. They were being probably too aggressive on the third and longs where it was a more complicated scheme – as far as like, you know, I think Max Williams was the one that said we hadn't repped that one that much. So you're taking people, potentially putting people out of position, and then you have a wide receiver wide open. If you're playing kind of soft, then you're just like, okay, well, let, I'll let him catch the eight-yard pass and we'll cut tackle him or whatever. Um, but you wouldn't have given up a touchdown. Then. Maybe you give up a first down at the end of the half, but you force a field goal. What you can't do is allow the big play, the touchdown, which is what they did. So... I think, Dr. Nick, you you wanted them to play some kind of zone just to not, you know, just keep everything in front of you and don't give up a touchdown right before half. And that's what ends up 
happening. I think the the they're probably overly aggressive as opposed to overly quote unquote soft. I agree with all that. Yeah. So that was a that was kind of an interesting one. But yeah, yeah, people are gonna be critical of whatever the calls are. Um we got one here. Ryan, just wondering if you'd heard anything about USC reaching out uh, to uh, Mayor Bass. So uh, this is Los Angeles mayor. We don't get too political on all that stuff. Um, to ensure greater safety when taking the Metro to USC football games. Uh, mayor Bass wants the Metro to be everyone's first choice. So he goes on to say that um, he was verbally assaulted by some crazy person uh, as he was taking the train from Pasadena to USC, and it was 11 o'clock in the morning. He said, it's no joke. Any more of these incidents, and I'm, I'm foregoing my future tickets after being a season to- ticket holder for 15 years. We'll be packing pepper spray this year just in case. Oh, jeez. But I'll be safe. I, to be fair, like I, I I, did like an Instagram story like years ago, like trying to go from the South Bay to USC on the Metro, and it was not a fun experience. It wasn't any like safety thing. It just... You had to do like partial bus and then, you know, I took train for a little bit, but then from to get up the uh, 110, I had to take a bus instead of the train because they didn't have one going direct or whatever. It just wasn't very clean. Um, I don't know if you've taken it much since you've been out here, but I haven't heard about people getting harassed like that. But I don't know why you'd want to cancel your season tickets if like the Metro is not doing well. Maybe like don't take the Metro anymore, but I, I, I don't know. That's a weird one. I have gone to one USC football game in my life. It was the JT Daniels UNLV game way back when, I think 2018. Took the Metro from Santa Monica. Had a fine experience, but I've heard a lot of bad stories about the Metro, so I totally get that comment, and I don't know. I don't think it's on us to talk to the mayor, but he said USC. He didn't say us. So Right, right. Uh, I don't know. I think on the list of problems, that's probably pretty low. But I, I get it. There are so many problems, though. And if you're taking the metro, you don't want to deal with crazy people. I don't know what the solution is either. Now we're getting into politics. So yeah, yeah well, I don't. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, I think if you're going from, I think, I think RJ used to take it a bunch when he lived in like Culver City. Like if you have a direct route, yeah. like I think it's good. Like I agree. well, maybe I don't know about your experience on the train itself, but there that's the problem. It's like, LA is such a spread out city. It's hard. Like, I think Pasadena might have a direct shot coming down. And if you have a bad experience on it, it's one thing. But, like, where I'm in the South Bay, I could take basically a train north, but there's no train that goes to USC um, west or whatever. Uh, or no, wait, no, I'm taking, I can take a train east, and there's no train north to get to USC. And so you had, I was on a bus and on the freeway, like, and then there was like an accident. So I'm like sitting on a bus, like just waiting on the, you know, like a schmuck on the freeway. I'm like, I could be doing this in my car and I'm not on a bus. So there was just, but if there's like a direct line, like Culver City to downtown, like to, to like uh, Exposition Park, I think that's like a direct line. It's like, boom, you can do that. It's pretty easy. Um, but whatever. But hopefully, you know, stay safe out there. Don't do anything crazy. Uh, but I don't know if you want to cancel your season tickets because you didn't have a good Metro experience. That seems kind of weird. We have a YouTube question from Kim Lee, it looks like. Uh, Caleb Williams seemed frustrated in this post-game presser. Do you think it was related to him resisting the urge to just run? And you know what? Let me play Curtis's uh, voicemail because it's kind of along the same lines about that. We'll get your thoughts on it, Connor. Hey, Ryan. I heard that during the game, Caleb was staying in the pocket on purpose to try – to 
to just stay in the pocket, to show people that he can. We already know that he can. He doesn't need to prove anything to anybody. Sometimes him escaping the pocket keeps him safe from getting hit. If he he got flipped upside down because he stayed in the pocket, he could have broke out of there and took off on those people, but he just stayed in the pocket. Don't listen to people. Don't listen to the outsiders. You don't have to prove anything. Just be you. Curtis from Moreno Valley. All right. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that was like an MO, that he had to stay in the pocket or whatever, but I don't know. Any, any thoughts? He did. He got hit a few times that you wouldn't want to your quarterback to get hit. But I would say some of that is just you had a whole bunch of different offensive lines in front of him every series. I don't know who Curtis there is referring to. Like people are saying you can't stay in the pocket. We need to see it. That's outside noise that I don't think Caleb Williams is really paying attention to. But hey, maybe Curtis does have a good source. I don't know. I think it's obvious they didn't want him to run very much against San Jose State because it's an injury risk. I think the frustration, I don't blame him, might have been a little bit of some of the offensive line changeover, and I'm sure he didn't like getting sacked on that last drive or that second-to-last drive before the half, the one right before the wide-open touchdown for San Jose State. I also just think overall the the offense could have been better, and I thought they played well for a first game. I, I, I'm not concerned or anything like that, but I think Caleb knows that they left some plays out there and they could have been a little bit better. So I think that's probably why he, he was frustrated too. Yeah. And uh, it was weird. They ran some like option, option stuff. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Jinx. Um, yeah. That I, I didn't weird. love that stuff, especially when some of it was in front of the line of script. Like some of it was kind of risky. <laughs> no, he's running like basically run the option. And then it was like, it looked like a pass, yeah. but it was backwards. Like I think Zach Branch's 12 yard run was basically like a little swing pass, yeah. but you're putting Caleb Williams in sort of harm's way with different offensive lines. Yeah, I, that was a little weird. Um, but I don't know. I'm not going to quit. You know, Lincoln Riley knows what the hell he's doing. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure if they really think that can work, then they'll keep doing it. Maybe that was one of those, hey, let's throw it in and see. But if they think, okay, we see something, this is going to work, we'll do it. I also don't think that if they did think that, they would have repped it a lot in the first game. So. I don't know. I that stuff was was weird. I thought too. I that didn't make a ton of sense to me. Yeah, it was a little weird. Um, it is funny. Caleb is uh, blowing up. I mean, obviously won the Heisman and everything. Uh, we saw the Dr Pepper commercials, which you know we had mentioned and stuff before. Shout out to Dr Pepper. They sent me a few cases, so that was nice because we uh, we you know I had it. Uh, I was drinking it during our our show, and you know I promoted their uh, Gatorade. Listen up. Yeah, get, come on, Gatorade. Where are you guys? Send uh, send some cases of that. But it's cool. Um, yeah, I got delivered to my door like the next day, so that was that was cool for Dr Pepper. But like the Wendy's commercials, you know, we saw like Reggie Bush in them a lot. Uh, now Matt Leinart and uh, and uh, Caleb Williams are both in the Wendy's commercials now, so it's pretty cool to see him uh, just blowing up like that and just have opportunities. You know, like you are, you know, coming back for your junior year, the, your last year potentially, most likely in college. And you can during the offseason do all kinds of commercials and stuff. You know, it's um, you know it's, it's sort of like like LeBron James does this. He has like a you know a few weeks in the summer that he does shooting all of his commercials. You know, um, and then he goes into the season. And you sort of like 
I'm sure over the offseason, there was just a bunch of opportunities. Caleb Williams shot all these commercials, and then we're going to start seeing them throughout the college football season. So it's it's kind of cool to see that. Um, you know, for we just haven't seen a lot of this for college athletes uh, for the last couple of years. But you know, we've we seen it the last couple of years, but nothing obviously before that. As we're filming this, Zachariah Branch officially announced his partnership with Panini, the trading card company. He has his own trading card now that's available for purchase after his big debut. And that was just announced via email. He tweeted it out. So if you're a USC fan, can't get enough of Zachariah Branch. I'm sure Caleb Williams has trading cards too, but you can now get Zachariah Branch as well. And that's another example of that, Ryan. Have a big game. People notice you. You can get sponsored now. That's pretty cool. That's that's awesome. I think that's just one part of what it should be. I also think, like Jim Harbaugh, these players should be getting some TV money, of course, but it's nice to see them paid for their name, image, and likeness, too. Yeah, like that. Uh, first game as a freshman, and boom, you get a, yeah, you hey, get a deal. Five-star Not, recruit, that's what happens. That doesn't hurt, it doesn't hurt with, uh, what's it called, uh, with recruiting, probably, you know, mm-hmm. so... Uh, we got a couple more, and we'll let you guys go. Um, this one from YouTube. Uh, who do you think decides to redshirt and transfer a la Gary Bryant? So last year, Gary Bryant Jr. kind of decided to redshirt early and then transferred to Oregon. Um, I mean, obviously, like, Raleigh Brown is someone we talked about. Like, there's potential there. Uh, any any other names kind of pop to your head that someone that could? I hate to say it, but... Corey Foreman, if stuff isn't going well, he's not getting much of an opportunity with him being such a big recruit. I could see him doing something similar. Um, I don't know if anyone will announce it. You know what I mean? Like the Gary Bryant thing, Coach Riley was asked about it, and he said he intends to redshirt, and that's how everyone found out about it, I believe. You can correct me if I'm wrong on that. I don't know if that's going to happen again. Maybe people will just be quiet and then redshirt once the season's over. Um, or maybe it's just so obvious they're not suiting up or for whatever reason, you know, the the writing's kind of on, on the wall. I, I look at him, uh, just guys from the old regime, really, who who aren't playing a lot, I, I would guess. And then any receiver who doesn't like their role, because that's the most crowded room, I, I look at those two spots. Yeah. Um, Labrat says, I was surprised how blah the offense seemed to be. And yet they still scored seven offensive touchdowns. Can't wait until they really start clicking. Yeah, I think it was a good point. Um, and then uh, Mark says, SC is not a triple option team. Like, no. <laughs> but we saw a little bit of that um, out there. Let me see. I, th- I think we had one more, but I believe I lost it. So I'm sorry if uh, you put your question in and I didn't get to it. Um, all right. Any final thoughts, Connor, before we uh, let this one go? I'll let you go off to practice. Yeah, thank you. I, I just think I, I like USC to to beat Nevada Nevada pretty good this week. Um, talked about it a little bit. That's just how I see it. New quarterback for them. If you look at the depth chart, nothing really jumps out. Like, okay, there's where they can beat you. They have some veteran receivers, Max Williams said yesterday. So I look at that. But Nevada's projected for four and a half wins. That's their, their over-under. So... If they're under that, you know, even if they're over, they might not make a ball. It's just not that good a team. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I think we're going to let things go. You know, you want to, if you're watching on YouTube, we can do our little pose. You want to hold up the uh, Caleb Williams uh, bobblehead? And I'll point. Uh, hold on a second. Yeah. Oh. All right. I like it. So for the podcast, you're like, what are you guys doing? We're posing for the uh, screen grab. <laughs> but yeah, so... Uh, my friend uh, went to the Dodger game on uh, USC night and got the uh, Caleb Williams bobblehead. So 
pretty cool. Um, it was a little decoration for the office there. All right. Well, that's going to wrap things up. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in, listening on the uh, podcast platform or watching on YouTube, either live or on the replay. Um, we got a lot more stuff coming up from practice, interviews, analysis, and then heading into the weekend, uh, USC game number two in week one. Um, I think, you know, do you have a thought on playing a game earlier than everyone else, like, if USC was playing someone like good, like they already have one game and the team they're playing doesn't. I, that's why I'm curious about the Oregon State San Jose State game because Oregon State's really good, but San Jose State already played a game. They got tested. Uh, that might help them, but it's kind of one of those things where, like, if you haven't played, you got to get all the rust out and the other teams already played. Yeah, I, th- I think that is a good point. I don't know, though. For me, and especially this year, I would have loved if they just played week one. Uh, but it, it makes sense. I think if you are playing like an LSU next year, would it be nice to have played San Jose State the week before? Worked out some kinks, maybe. Um, but I, when did this whole week zero thing start? It would be better if everyone just started the same weekend, in my opinion. But I guess football early, then no football is, is better. So maybe I'm making a bad argument. But to me, you should all start the same weekend. Yeah, I think you get some of it was with like Hawaii. If you go to a trip to Hawaii, you get like an extra game. There's all, you know, stuff like that. Like it's funny, Louis, uh, LSU. One of their best defenders is uh, suspended for a game, and they're playing Florida State to start. And they were trying to move, <laughs> I think, that Grambling from like week two to week zero, so they could have him sit out that game instead. It didn't work or whatever, but it's kind of funny. Um, yeah, they they play some games, and the whole reason USC played week zero is because they, you know, uh, Lin Swan had scheduled UC Davis, and they had to get rid of that game. So the only way to do it was like to move. You know, get San Jose State, but move it to week zero. Like, so there was like, yeah, this was basically a fix of a, a problem that was caused by the previous administration that Mike Bone and Brandon Sausen had to fix. So, yes. All right. Well, anyway, that's going to wrap things up. Uh, Connor Morissette, triple threat, triple double. I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. Trader Joe's in Southern California. We go way back. Kind of like USC football. In, in the beginning, it was so bad that uh, Dave Hetzel and I took turns dressed in a gorilla suit, flagging people in. That's from episode one of Inside Trader Joe's. We hope you'll check it out. Or some of our other podcast episodes about the past, present, and future of Trader Joe's. And all those cool products. Inside Trader Joe's is available wherever you listen to podcasts. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 